And that indeed is why we're here this morning. We stand forgiven at the cross. Matthew 28, continuing our study this morning. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, verse 18 through 20. We're going to be in several scriptures this morning. Acts chapter 2, we'll be looking at that as well. Excuse me. Remind us that we've been on quite a detour, but we are on our way back to John. And we'll be, Lord willing, getting there uh, soon, back to John, the Gospel of John. As I stand here and almost lose my voice for some reason. We studied Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 32. We saw what it means, uh, what a man without Christ looks like according to the Word of God. What a society that rejects and denies Christ looks like according to the Word of God. And then we studied Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, what it means to follow Christ, the nuts and bolts of following Jesus Christ, the radical transformation of conversion, this union we have with Jesus Christ, the renewal of the mind, and as we are to offer ourselves up, a living sacrifice to God to follow Jesus Christ. Then we went to Matthew 28, where Jesus gives instructions on the Great Commission. As we look at that again this morning, Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. Then Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. A reminder for us that Jesus is the authority. All authority has been given to him. The church is his bride. He is the head of the church, and Jesus calls the shots, as it were. Go, therefore, says the Lord, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Great Commission making disciples, baptizing them as we examined last week, and the context is of the local church. And in verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, teaching them. Teaching them the context of the local church in order to be taught, to be consistent as a disciple of Christ. You need to be consistent in your commitment to the local church. The title of my message this morning, Are You Committed to the Church? I'm going to read you two quotes this morning. One quote is a correct one from a certain book. The other has been altered by myself and is not the model for the local church, not the model for us as Christians. So I'm going to read both of them, and we'll decide which one is correct. We all fall into one of these two descriptions in some way, shape, or form. So here's the first one. People are not called by God to be active and faithful members of a local church. Going to church is to be squeezed into the Christian's weekly schedule. 
It should not be the principal activity and focal point of the Christian life. Entertainment, hobbies, work, family are primary. Worship of God in the assembly of the saints, secondary. In other words, Christians are not to rotate their schedules around the life of the church. Now let me read you the other quote. Similar, but not the same. God calls his people to be active, faithful members of a local church. Going to church is not to be squeezed into the Christian's weekly schedule. Rather, it should be the principal activity and focal point of the Christian life. Entertainment, hobbies, work, and family are secondary to the worship of God in the assembly of the saints. In other words, Christians are to rotate their schedules around the life of the church, end quote. That is from Jeff Johnson's book, The Church. The second quote I read to you, I submit, is the correct um, thinking we should have. The primary reason we gather here this morning in the local church, as we know, is to worship the one true God. That is why we're here. That is why we should be here. But as we examined who man is without Christ, what it means to be transformed by Jesus Christ, and then the great commission of Jesus Christ, now we want to see what Jesus Christ calls us to uh, within the local church. So first point here is credible evidence. Credible evidence. And this is about commitment to the local church and membership of a local church. Church membership is evidence of a valid profession that one has been born again. Now, is everyone who is a member of a church that signs on the dotted line a true child of God? No, that's not what I'm saying. But church membership is evidence, a valid expression, a valid profession, credible evidence that one has been born again. It is guardrails for the congregation, the members. It is guardrails and observations that the elders are able to have. Consider the order. And as we know, God is a God of order. First, there is conversion. The Lord saves a sinner. And this is something observable by the local church. The Lord saves a sinner. Repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ observable by others within the local church. Then after conversion, there is water baptism. The church, the elders, have reason to believe that the candidate is saved, has put their faith and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ, and their consistent walk shows, wow, this person, there might be life here. That Praise God, we may have a man or a woman of God here. An outward, observable expression of an inward reality. Then, church membership. Which also is an outward expression of what Christ has done in one's soul. Just as baptism is a visible expression of one's faith in Christ, church membership is also an expression of one's faith in Christ. It is the expression of what Christ made him or her a member of the body of Christ. It shows evidence, credible evidence. It says, to the person says, this is 
It's part of the evidence that I am born again. I want to join the local church. Observable fruit that elders can see and members of the congregation can too. Part of the Great Commission, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Let that marinate in your mind and in your heart this morning. Where the context of that is supposed to be primarily. And that is within the local church. And then since we're right here, I'll go to Acts chapter 2. Invite you to turn there. Acts chapter 2. This is a scripture that we touched on recently towards the end of chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. So then, chapter 2, verse 41 of Acts. So then, those who had received his word were baptized. Those who were converted were baptized. And that day were added about 3,000 souls. And here it is for us this morning. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, how does that happen within the context of the local church primarily? Those who received his word were converted, made a credible profession of faith. They believed, then they were baptized and then added to the church. In this instance, about 3,000 souls. What did they do then? They continually devoted themselves to fellowship, breaking bread and prayer. Devoted themselves to teaching within the local church. We have about 10 opportunities a month in this church to engage with teaching of the Word of God. To sit under teaching by the Word of God. 14, if you want to count when we have Sunday school. That's 14 when we have the Sunday school season opportunities to sit under the Word of God. Some may show up three out of four Sundays just for Sunday worship. Three out of 14. Is that devoting yourselves to the teaching of the Word of God for the sanctification of your own self? Devoted themselves to teaching. Ask that question of yourself. Am I devoted to the teaching of the Word of God in my life? For the good of my soul. Fellowship. They devoted themselves to teaching and to fellowship. We have fellowship opportunities before church and after church. Fellowship where we get here a little early and we pray. The elders, primarily, we get together in my office and we pray. Doesn't always happen, but most times it does. And then we go into the boardroom and we, whoever wants to go in there and pray can pray. And it's usually four or five of us, six of us, who go in there and we pray. It's an opportunity for fellowship. It's an opportunity for prayer. And then after church is, 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 is finished, for a better way of uh, not saying it, then we have the opportunity to stay around and get into each other's lives. 
not just go out the doors and leave. Go out the doors, leave. Every time. Instead of staying around and having fellowship and saying, I'll see you next week. Seeing you next week, that is poor vernacular for us to say. I'll see you next Sunday. That's come out of my mouth before. For two reasons. Well, one, because the Lord may come back before then. Secondly, because we need to interact with each other before then. Breaking bread, communion, breaking bread, meals with genuine fellowship. We have, sometimes we break meals together, break bread together. We have fellowship, we have game nights or such, and, and that's, that's great and that's fine. And we have great laughters, but how about the time when we have genuine fellowship and talk about things of the Lord over a meal? And then prayer, prayer. And this is all the context of the local church. Devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. Twelve opportunities to pray as a church a month. That's just corporately. Unless my math is off. That's including before church. That's including Wednesday nights. Key word for us this morning, for me, for you, is devoted. They were devoted to the church. Devoted to one another because of their devotion to Jesus Christ. Because they were devoted to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because they said, I follow Jesus Christ. Therefore, they are devoted to the local church. Not the other way around. Are we more devoted to our hobbies? We were bought with a price. Are the things that we are living for day by day worth Christ dying for. Don't we owe the Lord Jesus Christ everything? Secondly, a commitment to the local church by the way of church membership is needed for our sanctification. It is the means that God uses in our sanctification. We are taught in the local church, preaching and teaching, which there is a difference between preaching and teaching, and we have, we have both here. We have the two ordinances from our Lord within the context of the local church. God has gifted every believer in here somehow, in some way, to serve the local church. Everyone in here has gifts of some, somehow, some, some way, some more so than others, some gifts that I don't have, some gifts that I have that maybe some of you don't have, but it's all to serve Christ within the local church. That's the primary. That's where it all flows down from. And God has ordained that he is to be worshipped by his people his way, particularly corporately on the Lord's day, the Christian Sabbath with the Lord's people. In the local church. And part of this sanctification is accountability to one another. In the local church. Members say, as we've seen recently, as you've seen several members uh, joining, they covenant together. That's what we say when we become members. We're covenanting together under God. Loving each other as God has commanded us. They're saying, I covenant to this church. I covenant with you 
and you are covenanting with me that we, we walk alongside one another, ministering to one another, watching over each other, and willing to step in when there is an inconsistency in our brother or sister's life. Being a member of a local church and committed to the local church is a necessary part of healthy spiritual sanctification. And the ministry of the word is central in the local church, is central in our sanctification. Not only in our individual sanctification, but also for the sanctification of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I remind my wife sometimes, Lindsay, that I am in your life for your sanctification. And you're in my life for my sanctification. And it's, I jest that way, but it's in a lot of ways true. Some object to church membership have to do with relationships. Don't want to get too close. Don't want to get too close. One may say something to the effect of, I don't want all those people in my life. I don't want them knowing things about me, talking to me, etc. Maybe not in a malicious way, but in a fearful way. What if God wants that person, the one who's objecting, to be in their lives? What if it's not all about the person who is rejecting and it's more about other people? Which it is. As Michael Horton wisely once said, a church is not a group of friends you've picked. It's a group of brothers and sisters God has picked for you. So none of us are here by accident this morning. A group of brothers and sisters God has picked for us. By joining a local church, serving and participating in the church, you build others up within the church. See, it's not self-focused. We get to build others up. Do you know what's going on in the lives of those within your church family? Do you know what's going on in the lives of your brothers and sisters in Christ within the church? Wednesday night, we share prayer requests sometimes. And sometimes they are things that are going on in our individual lives. And sometimes that's the only way that we'll know what's going on in the lives of our brothers and sisters. It ought not be that way. Men sharing requests Saturday morning. Women on Thursdays when they have their study via Zoom. And then Wednesday nights as well. Church commitment, church membership needed for sanctification. Church membership and church commitment is also crucial for one's assurance of faith. Membership helps affirm someone's profession of faith to them individually and personally. You watch over me, I watch over you. It doesn't guarantee one's salvation, but it should provide some assurance. The Not insurance, assurance. The elders, when someone says, I want to become a member, or they've been here for a while, or we approach them for membership, however that fleshes out, we interview the person. Typically, it's all four of us. 
and we interview the person for membership and we talk, we ask questions, there's an application before us about their profession of faith, uh, certain things in their life, uh, how they may want to serve and that and so on and so forth. And then the congregation, when they become members, comes alongside them and helps them and assure them of their profession of faith when they are struggling or challenging them on certain things in their life if there is an inconsistency there. How else would we know someone unless we are covenanted together with them? The contrast is the lack of assurance from those who resist church membership. Someone who professes faith in Jesus Christ as Lord but refuses to embrace his call to commitment in the local church casts doubt on their profession of faith. Also, church membership and commitment is, uh, shows our confession of love and commitment to uh, Jesus Christ and others, to our brothers and sisters, living in unity. It says, I, I love you and I commit to you and you love me and you commit to me. Love and commitment. It's ex- expressed by, in 1 John chapter 4, Beloved, let us love one another. And then we also see it in uh, Paul's writings, as Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus and to the Colossian church and to the Galatian church, all local churches. And he wrote to the people there within these local churches, these one another's. I'll read it for you this morning, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Within the context, primarily, of the local church, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then to the Colossian church, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And then in Galatians chapter 6, 1 and 2, I'll just read that for you as well. Keep in mind who Paul wrote this to. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. Are we bearing one another's burdens within this church as a local church called out by God? Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Primary context within the local church. Commitment, membership of the local church shows our love for Jesus Christ. It's a visible, public gathering of believers in Jesus. Marked out, separate from the world. Belonging to a local church tells the world publicly that you belong to Jesus Christ. You're saying, this is my profession. Again, doesn't mean that everybody who's a member of a church is converted genuinely. We understand that. That's not what I'm saying obviously so Christ loves the church he died for the church he calls us to love one another within the church 
Of, cur- of course, there is the universal church, and then there is the local church. Universal church, union with Christ, um, in Christ, and as a result, union and bond with every other Christian. There's Christians in Nigeria this morning that we have a bond, a unity with. There's Christians in California this morning that we have a bond, a unity with. That we would no otherwise, other way, have a bond and a unity with other than the fact that Christ has called us and we have instantaneous unity with one another as a brother and sister in Christ. You ever meet someone, just meet them the first time, you come across paths, and it turns out they're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. And you find out within the first few minutes, and they find out, and it's just fellowship instantly. And you're talking of the things of the Lord, and you just go back and forth, and it's just a joyful occasion. You leave, and, and you just uh, so rejoicing over it for the, for the time being. It's a wonderful thing. And then, the, of course, the universal church, and then the local church. Those who God calls to communion together, to assemble together, united spiritually in each individual church. The local church is also the conduit for the truth. The conduit for the truth. Therefore, being committed to a local church and members of a local church, we're able to evangelize for the glory of God. It goes back to the Great Commission. The context of making disciples in the local church. Proclaiming the gospel as we are going and at deliberate times as well. Going out to evangelize. Be able to point those who you talk to to a local church that they can grow in. Imagine sharing the gospel with someone and they get gloriously saved or they're very interested. And they say, I I know things about church. I grew up in church or whatever it may be. And they say, wow, does your church have membership? And you say, yes, it does. It's a wonderful thing. Oh, you're a member? Then no. How long have you been going there? Six years? Inconsistency. Also, the commitment to the local church and membership of the local church is important for exposing false teachings and false gospels. The local church is to be the outlet where the gospel is preached and it is held high and where false gospels are refuted Denied, dismembered, demolished, and departed from. The broad road that promises eternal life, but delivers death, continues to be rampant inside what is considered evangelicalism today. Exposing false gospels, such as carnal Christianity, which says, have your cake and eat it too. Some of us here can fall into that. Oh, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to have my cake and I'm going to eat it too, but I don't have to do anything else. I don't have to commit anything else. That's carnal Christianity. Consumer-driven, a me-centered church, where it's what I want. If I don't hear this or I don't see that, I'm not going there. I'll go somewhere else. Easy believism. We're familiar with that. Just pray a sinner's prayer, pronounce one save, and build an army of goats ready for the slaughter. Then there's the legalist. 
do these things, don't do these things, and then you're all set. All law, no gospel. So we see the importance, hopefully, of consistency, of commitment, of membership within the local church. Also, and this one is uh, an overarching one because it's good for the souls of believers and also for the leadership from Hebrews chapter 10. I invite you to turn there, 24 and 25, 23 through 25, Hebrews chapter 10. Do we consider commitment to a local church, membership in a local church? By the way, you can be a member of a local church and not committed to the church. And that's not wise, and that's not right either. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25, it is consistent with obeying the Lord. Membership in a local church is necessary to obey the Lord. Let's see the text. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay, as we... Look at this, examine this a little further. I also thought popped in my mind. I want to be careful to say it. There's a difference between church shopping, for a lack of better vernacular, and church hopping. Someone is in transition looking for a church, was a member of a church or is a member of the church, and they are looking for a church for whatever the reason may be. And there's a time of transition. There's a time of vetting. There's a time of seeing, okay, what are these elders really about? What are these deacons about? What's the congregation about? That's completely different. There's a time, and we should spend that time, just not a long time. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, this public confession, without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, helping out other believers. Consider how our actions may help other believers or hinder them. Question. Ask this of yourself. Does my lack of commitment to the church hinder the love of those around me in the church? Second question. Does my lack of attendance in the corporate gatherings of the church hinder my fellow Christians? See, it's not just about us individually. It's about our brothers and sisters in Christ corporately. Consider others. As Christians, we cannot be individualistic. Considering the spiritual health of those around us. Are we concerned with others in the church or some of us just consumers? Stimulating one another, stirring them up to love and good deeds, encouraging one another, coming alongside one another, sharing and bearing the load with them, praying for them. How, 
Wonderful it is when we have a brother or sister and we know that they are praying for us. Not forsaking our own assembling together, this meeting together within the local church. Forsaking assembling together, it is dangerous territory. Oftentimes it's a slow fade. Hebrews tells us, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We should be meeting all the more and encouraging each other all the more as we see the day drawing near. Many commands in Scripture absolutely cannot be obeyed without being a member of a local church. By refusing membership in a local church, you're refusing the God-ordained authority in the local church. God-ordained authority that God set up that is found in his word. And he says, believer in Jesus Christ, you must be under this authority. And we are committed here at this church in believing the leadership of a church, of a local church, is is the plurality of elders. Unless we, and of course, unless providence hinders otherwise in a church plant or, or whatnot, but a plurality of elders and congregational involvement as there's voting, as we go to the meetings, we vote for deacons or whatever the decisions are, and we see the involvement there as well. And the one another's, the congregation involvement with the one another's. But it's, you're unable to Submit to the authority that God has placed in a local church without being a member of that local church. Listen to the commands given by God to the elders. Acts 20, 20, 17 and 28, I'll just read it for you. Paul saying to Ephesus, the local church, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. Be on guard for yourselves and all the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Shepherding the church, overseers. That's what overseers are to do. Impossibility to do so unless we've covenanted with those that we would be shepherding over. In 1 Peter 5, Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Who's the flock of God among us here this morning? That would be the members of this church here in Grace Covenant Church. Also, there's, we understand there's children part of the membership of the church families, of course. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but for eagerness, and nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Who has been allotted to the charge of the four elders here? Everyone who has become a member of this church. That is who is allotted to our charge. That is who we are to shepherd over. And when Christ, when the chief 
Shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. We notice the exhortation to submit to leadership. We notice the exhortation of elders to shepherd over the flock. And in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls, for those who were given account. And here as leaders, we say we believe in church membership. We believe it's essential. And some would say, no, I don't want to become a member. I do not want to obey you in this, and I will not submit to you in this. That is what you are saying. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. And we will give an account for that, for keeping watch over your souls. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Two thoughts. When you refuse the command to commit to a local church in membership, you're making it an impossibility for elders who are God-ordained to shepherd you. Now, can we give you wisdom? Can we give you insight? Can we help? Absolutely. And we do that, hopefully, and we, we love to. That's what we're called to. But it's an impossibility for us to shepherd you as God has called us to if you do not commit to this church. Secondly, when you refuse membership, you are also refusing to obey God by refusing to obey the God-ordained elders in the local church. Sheep need shepherds. I need shepherds. These three men shepherd over me. Some considerations for us. Considerations. Here's Charles Spurgeon. It's about time for a Spurgeon quote, so let's see what he has to say. I know there are some who say, well, I have given myself to the Lord, but I don't intend to give myself to any church. Spurgeon asks, now why not? Answer, because I can be just as good a Christian without it. Spurgeon replies, are you quite clear about that? You can be as good as a Christian by disobedience to your Lord's commands as by being obedient? I don't believe that you're answering the purpose for which Christ would have you live, and you are much to blame for the injury you do. So there are some excuses for not committing to a local church in membership. Again, there's people who are in transition from one church to another. There's people who visit and have theological differences, and they're here for fellowship or whatever the reasons are for a season, for a time. But for those who continue to refuse to commit to the church, even as members, or commit to the local church as becoming a member, excuses that we find sometimes, not wanting the accountability. This mindset is either couched in hidden sin or that does not want to be exposed, or a false hope in believing in independence and individualism. 
Jeff Johnson again from his book, The Church, and I would commit that book to you. I have a few copies of my own. Be happy to give you one if you are saying, hey, I want to join a local church and I want to be further convinced. I will give you a copy. He says this, viewing the church through the lens of self leads people to judge a church based on how well the church meets their personal expectations. End quote. So there is not wanting the accountability. There is the fear of commitment, not wanting to be tied down with a people or with a particular people or just tied down in general. They want to have their off ramp. They want it close. They want to be in the right lane for that off ramp going off. They want to see it line of sight. I see the off ramp. I'll stay in this right lane. See the off ramp when it's time to go. I'm gone. They want to see the lifeboat. So they may jump, jump ship whenever the water gets rough. Looking at the members and say, you do the work, the committing, the hard stuff of being in one each other's lives, and I'll just show up. Then there's the fear of getting hurt. The, the quote usually goes like this, I've been hurt in a church, or so-and-so has been hurt in a church. Why don't they go to church anymore? They've been hurt in a church, and that'll be the reason. Now, there's genuine hurts that happen in a church. Criminal offenses are genuine hurts that happen in a church that would give someone say, wow, you know, that's, that's really significant there, and, and we, need to, we need to really work and shepherd through that. But if you look around, and I'll look at my brother and sister over there, and I'll look around at everyone I see here, and I say, wow, I see a bunch of people I know who are sitting here who have been hurt in a church who are members of this church. And then I saw I, however many people, five, six people, and I won't give any stories, maybe one or two of them or whatever it may be, have been hurt in another church and have said, well, I am going to join another church. Why? Because they believe it's biblical. Everyone I think I probably know that's a member of a church has been hurt in a church. I know I have. Still bear the scars. Knife in the back hurts, doesn't it? Especially when it's twisted. But that's no reason, an excuse, a fear of getting hurt in a church and say, I'm not joining another one. I'm not going to be a part of that. It's called sinners doing life together. False assumptions that you can worship God any way you want. And this is a big one that weighs people down. That is from misteaching, from wrong teaching. Perhaps if they would sit under more teaching, they would see, wow, this really isn't right to worship God any way I want to. We've heard of the strange fire in the Old Testament where God uh, snuffed them out in Leviticus for offering strange fire to the Lord, trying to worship God another way than the way that he has ordained. Cliché statements we hear, such as the church is not a building. Some of us have heard that before, right? Oh, the church is not a building. You know, I can just go to this over here. Well, we understand the church is not a physical building. Praise God for this building, because in winter, none of us would be here. But that does not give Christians an excuse, false assumptions that we can just worship God any way we want to, especially on the Lord's Day, 
an excuse to skip church, watch a quick sermon, then go to the beach or engage in whatever worldly activity you think is more important than worshiping God His way. Some concluding thoughts for us this morning. So where we have been from Romans chapter 1, and then Romans chapter 12, and then the Great Commission. And as we are on our way back to John, and as we've seen, as we've looked at the significance of believer's baptism, and then here this morning, the significance of committing oneself to the local church. We're reminded that just as baptism cannot save you, just as works cannot save you, being a member of a church cannot save you. Also, coming to a church is not the same as belonging to the church. It's possible to become a member of a church yet not be part of the church. And that's really the scary thing if we think about it. Those who have walked alongside people in the church for a long time are raised in the church and then do not know the Lord John 15, verse 5, what Jesus says, he warns, says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Eternal destruction away from the Lord. If you abide in me and my words abide in me in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. And then I end with this. Romans 5, I'll just read it for us. Familiar passage, I come to it often. Romans 5, 6, while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. One would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man, someone would dare even to die. God demonstrates his own love towards us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray. Father, As we consider your word this morning, consider the importance of being committed to the local church, the institution that you have set up for us, Lord, and you have called us to and called us in, O God. Lord, let us be reminded and let us turn our mind and our heart to Christ at this time. He died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. And he went to the cross, gave up his life for sinners such as us, died on that cross and rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, ascended on high and promised to return again, and we await on his return. And as we see that day drawing near, Lord, How much more should we be encouraging one another and meeting together with one another? Oh, Lord, that you would make us a people of prayer, a people committed to one another, 
because we're committed to Jesus Christ. All for your glory, for what you have done, and for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.